Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. It will not surprise you to hear me make this next statement. I believe seminary education is a good thing. I believe that every ministry leader will profit from seminary training. And I would like for every one of you to enroll at Gateway. Now, having said that, let me balance it with this warning. There are some inherent dangers that come along with gaining more knowledge, experiencing more training, changing your perspective. Those inherent dangers are what I call the unintended consequences of a seminary education. Now, you may be thinking, well, I don't have a seminary education, so I don't guess I need to worry about this one. Well, hold on. These can also be the unintended consequences of any process of study and development that matures you, increases your knowledge, or in some way changes your perspective on ministry leadership. Paul described this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 3. He said, if anyone teaches false doctrine and does not agree with the sound teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the teaching that promotes godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing, but has an unhealthy interest in disputes and arguments over words. From these come envy, quarreling, slander, evil suspicions, and constant disagreement among people whose minds are depraved and deprived of the truth, who imagine that godliness is a way to material gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these, but those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. This passage of Scripture divides itself into two parts. It says, that any teaching that doesn't promote godliness is a false teaching. And that false teaching produces all kinds of relational strife, as you see described in this text. And then it goes on to say that people who believe things that don't promote godliness will find themselves tripped up by materialism. They will start craving material gain, and that will become the consuming driving force in their lives. Now, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, these are the two unintended consequences of education, of seminary education, of local church education. Anything that promotes a form of instruction that doesn't lead to godliness and a form of instruction that causes us to crave material gain is an unintended negative consequence. So let's talk about what this looks like. The first warning I would say is that as you're gaining more education, more information, be sure that your theological knowledge does not exceed your character development. One of our faculty members uh, 
wrote a book entitled Truth That Transforms. I love that title. Truth must be transformational. It must make a difference in our character, in our relationships, in our behaviors. Truth that transforms. Not long ago, a deacon called me and said, I wonder if you can help us with our pastor. He said, he's a hyper-Calvinist. And I thought, oh my, we're about to have a theological debate. He said, he's a hyper-Calvinist, but that's not really the problem. And then he said, I don't really mind what he believes if he just weren't so arrogant about it. Now, this is not a diatribe against hyper-Calvinism. It's a statement of an example of someone who has amassed significant knowledge. But that knowledge has not produced character transformation. Instead, it has puffed him up to the point that his arrogance about his theological understandings is undermining his ministerial effectiveness because his character development has not kept pace with his knowledge acquisition. So one of the ways that teaching and gaining information about doing so doesn't promote godliness using the language of the text is when our character development doesn't stay in pace with our knowledge acquisition. Here's another one. Seminary education or learning in any capacity is detrimental when you would rather debate what you know with your peers than share truth with everyday people. It frustrates me when I see ministry leaders sitting in circles or engaging through social media in discussion groups in which their entire purpose is to impress each other with how much they know. They use code words that only theologians can understand and references and language that only biblical scholars could uh, grasp. They are confused into thinking that the amassing of knowledge or information is really the desired outcome of learning that promotes godliness. It's just not the case. Learning that promotes godliness is when you know something well enough that you can explain it to everyday people without dumbing it down or looking down on them as you communicate with them, but instead communicating with them in such a way that the deepest truth is made clear to the simplest hearer. I first had an experience with this when I was a high school senior. My pastor was working on a doctoral degree, and he received an assignment from his seminary to write a paper on the second coming of Jesus Christ. His paper was to be written and submitted to the seminary with all the appropriate footnotes and information that goes along with an academic presentation. He did the assignment. He got it back. And 
the second assignment, said this. This is a fine paper. Please now give it to a high school senior and have them mark up everything that they do not understand and rewrite it until they do understand it. So my pastor selected me as his high school senior. And he said, Jeff, would you read this paper and mark up anything you don't understand? And I did. And quite frankly, there was quite a bit of it that I didn't understand. But I marked it up and gave it back to him. And he rewrote the paper. And I read it the second time. And it made a lot more sense. He sent that paper in as his second assignment. A few days later, he received the paper back with a third assignment. Said, thank you. This is excellent work. Now, give this paper to a 12-year-old child in your church, ask them to read it, mark it up, and rewrite it until they understand it. And my pastor did that assignment. When he finished it and sent it in, his professor wrote him back and said, this is the kind of use of knowledge and information that we want you to have as a graduate of our school. We want you to know things at the highest level. We want you to have studied theology and doctrine, biblical material at the highest level. But until you can communicate that truth to a 12-year-old, you have not really mastered it, nor have you learned it for the purpose of a ministerial function or advance. Look, this is a real problem in our world. Just in the Southern Baptist Convention, we have the most educated clergy we've ever had in the history of our denomination. We have more ministers with doctorates, more people pursuing multiple degrees from seminaries, more people writing books than ever, more people starting websites and arguing theology and debating doctrine and discussing biblical passages than in the history of our movement. And yet... And yet, our baptismal rates have declined precipitously over the last generation. Why is that? Well, I think one of the reasons is that while we've been busy mastering things at one level, we've forgotten how to communicate them to people who have no reference to God or the gospel. We just can't speak to everyday people anymore about the gospel because they haven't read the books we've read had the background we've had, or understand the terminology we're using. So I want to challenge you today if you're listening to this podcast. If you have been amassing information, gaining education, trying to make yourself uh, smarter and brighter and deeper in the knowledge that you have of the things of God, I applaud you for doing that. But if you think that's an end in itself, you are sadly mistaken. Until you can communicate that to a 12-year-old child, without dumbing it down or without uh, eliminating the concepts, but putting it in everyday language they can grasp and understand, you really aren't as smart <laughs> as you think you are. And you really haven't mastered the material to the point you think you have. Listen, some of you think that explaining God the Father's love to another theologian <laughs> is your purpose. Listen. You need to learn to explain God the Father's love to a girl who's been abused by her father. Can you do that? Can you explain God's sovereignty? Oh, yes, I can. In fact, I've read several books on it, and I can debate it all day long with my theological friends. 
Well, can you explain God's sovereignty to a businessman who's been devastated by a tornado? What about just war theory? Oh, I understand just war theory. I've read the ancients. I understand what they wrote and how they, how they put it. I've, I've analyzed it and studied it and thought about it and applied it in modern uh, contexts and situations. Really? Well, can you explain just war theory to a mother whose son was just killed in a battle? What about the problem of evil? You've analyzed it. You've diagrammed it. You get it. You have worked out your theory about the problem of evil. Well, sit down and talk to a father whose daughter was date raped and explain it to him. You see, this is what I'm talking about when I say that truth is not about coming to a point where you can debate and argue, make your point, and have an arrogant intellectual smugness about yourself because of how much you know. When you've really achieved a level of educational mastery, it will be when you can talk about these kinds of difficult subjects, the love of God, the sovereignty of God, the problem of evil, the issues surrounding warfare. Not in some sanitized classroom or over some coffee with some person who's thinking intellectually about it just like you are, but with a real person who's grappling, I mean grappling, with the life circumstances that these great biblical and theological themes are supposed to address. So I've said that one of the Unintended consequences of theological knowledge eclipsing ministry effectiveness and ministry uh, life is when your training or education or learning exceeds your character development. And the other one is when your character or when your training or education or learning exceeds your capacity to share your insights with everyday people. Here's another one. When your education or training or learning is detrimental Because the only way you know to communicate about it leads to divisiveness and dissension. It astounds me that the more some people learn, the more presumptive they become. The more vitriol is in their voice. The more argumentative their attitude. You know, as I've gotten older, my convictions have deepened on many issues. But my capacity to have a conversation about those issues with people I disagree with has also been heightened. I want to know doctrine and theology and the Bible. I want to be deep in these areas. But I don't want, as a result of that, to be a divisive dissenting kind of person. I want instead to be so secure, isn't that the issue? So secure in what I believe that I will be able to carry on a conversation about these things without the anger, the turmoil, the difficulty that often comes about when we try.
to discuss these issues. Look, the Bible warns us about learning and about teaching that doesn't lead to godliness. And in this passage I read, it outlines some of these problems. So I want to challenge you today. Pursue knowledge. Learn all you can. Go to seminary if it's available. Master theology and doctrine and Bible. Be deep in the truth of God. But while you're learning all of that, keep developing your character to support what you're learning. While you're learning all of that, don't forget you have to translate it to everyday people. And until you can do that, you maybe really haven't learned it as well as you think you have. And finally, don't learn just so you can argue better. Your learning, your training, your education, it's not designed to make you a better debater. It's designed to give you the tools to securely hold to what you believe and communicate that with compassion and kindness and love and, yes, directness, where you're honest with people, but at the same time, not painfully divisive or one who creates unnecessary dissension. Well, the passage now goes on to a second unintended consequence, and this one may surprise some of you because the second unintended consequence is becoming more materialistic and more committed to financial gain as a result of all that you've learned. This is an unusual pairing, isn't it? We go to seminary or we go into other training programs or even into church context and learn more about the Bible and theology and ministry. And as all of that's elevated in our lives, we can easily start thinking a little more highly of ourselves than we did before and even maybe a little more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. We become inflated in our expectations about ourselves and about life. And because of that, this passage of Scripture says we can be caught up in materialism, in pursuing wealth, financial gain. In fact, this passage warns us. It says that doing these things is actually tapping into the root of all evil, and that when we pursue this path, we're going to fall into the temptation that is a trap that has these many foolish and harmful desires. And we're warned that godliness is supposed to parallel contentment. Contentment in this passage is beneficial. It gives us what the Bible calls great gain. And it contentment emerges from this eternal perspective, the Bible says. We brought nothing into the world. It says we can take nothing out. Contentment rests on being satisfied with life's essentials. The text says if we have food and clothing, so contentment in this passage is presented as a worthy goal and the right outcome of right teaching and right learning and right education and right attainment of truth and knowledge. Contentment is supposed to result from these things. But as I've already said, instead, sometimes these things lead us to materialism, which has a deadening effect in our lives. It says in this passage, it's a temptation that we fall into. It's a trap that leads to ruin and destruction, and it 
deadens our spiritual passion because it will call us, as the text says, to wander away from the faith. Now, how is it that education and learning and knowledge and truth, how is it that it produces this result? Well, because it puffs you up in your own expectations of yourself and elevates your expectations of the appreciation and support that other people are going to provide for you. So specifically, uh, your gaining of education and knowledge and truth can facilitate materialism if you believe that because you know so much, other people are obligated to take care of you. Now this take care of me mentality is a serious problem in our culture. We confront it here at the seminary regularly. We have students who say, well, I'll, I'll come to Gateway if you'll give me a full scholarship. I'll come to Gateway if you'll pay my way. Now, some of them are doing that because that's how they went to college. They went to college because a university or a college said, well, if you'll come, uh, the government will pay your way. And whatever the government will provide, that's what we'll charge you. And you'll have uh, your, your way paid by somebody who will take care of you. Well, that may work with the federal government and may work with financial aid and loans and all that goes into a college plan these days. But when you come to seminary, it's a different thing. You come to seminary, you're supposed to learn that God will provide for you, not other people. Now, again, we're very glad here at the seminary to offer financial aid and to find ways to help defray the costs of seminary and we have generous donors who help make this happen. So I'm not speaking against financial aid in any capacity. I'm speaking against the expectation that says somebody owes me this. If I'm willing to devote myself to learning, to gaining an education, to deepening my knowledge, if I'm willing to make this investment in myself and this sacrifice of my time, then somebody is responsible to take care of me financially. This kind of entitlement mindset is a disaster when you carry it over into local church ministry. You say, well, isn't the church responsible to provide for us financially as ministry leaders? Yes, they are. But they're responsible to provide for the basic needs you have and for the reasonable support of your family. They are not responsible to meet your every entitlement, whim, or wish. Entitlement is something that's very different than depending on the people of God for legitimate financial support. So this kind of learning and growth in knowledge that puffs us up, it also facilitates materialism if you expect to live on a different financial standard than the people you're serving. People come to seminary and they get a master's degree and they say, well, now that I have a master's degree, I deserve a full-time job and I deserve to be cared for in a certain way and I deserve to live in a certain house and I can't take a job that doesn't have benefits or doesn't provide insurance for my family. I understand these are all legitimate concerns. And again, I'm not speaking against having these things in your life. What I'm challenging you to understand is that no matter how much you know, how smart you are, how much you've learned, how many degrees you have behind your name, you still have a responsibility to go to the community God assigns and live like the people in that community. It's really easy when people say, what should a pastor's salary be? I say, well, take 
the 10 families in his church that are about where he is in life, about the same education, about the same number of kids, about the same age, about the same level of responsibility, and average their salaries together. Just take 10 and average them together. And whatever that average is, that's what the pastor should be making. You say, but wait, I, I'm in kind of a poor community. I'm in a working class community. I'm in a, uh, a working poor community. I, I'm in a place where there's, there, there's a lot of hourly workers, like shift workers and people like that. And yeah, I know. And if God called you there, and assigned you the responsibility of evangelizing those people and building a church in that community, then that's the level of, so, of economic support you're going to have. He said, but other people have more than me in other ministry slots and other ministry locations. I know they do. That's fine. Because they're working in their community, living at the standard that can be supported and is required in their context. This is not a competition. We're not building our careers. We're not looking for the better job with the more money. No, we, we find the place God assigns and we find out what the economic realities are of that community. And that's what we make. Listen, I went to plant a church in Portland, Oregon, a number of years ago. My salary was $28,000. That was full time. That was everything. I, I know what it's like to go into a community and take a very basic salary to try to start something new and to try to live like the community that you're reaching. But that's what it means to be on mission with the gospel. We go into communities and we live like those communities and the families in those communities. We don't get compensated by what we know are the achievement of our education, are the degrees behind our name. We get compensated by very different standards. And then the last thing is, when you have more learning and more knowledge and more information and you let that puff you up, it'll lead you to materialism, which means that you'll also compromise the truth for financial gain. This is perhaps the worst part of these two aspects of unintended consequences. And that is when you say, I'm not going to stand up for what's right or what's true or what's godly or what's biblical because I can't afford to lose my job. All of us face this. All of us face circumstances where we have to decide, do we hold to the truth or do we chase the money? I would encourage you today, while the pressure is great, the pressure is great to do whatever you have to do to make an economic gain, hold to truth. Don't compromise biblical standards. Do what's necessary to stand strong and not relinquish truth for financial gain. Well, today, this has been a sobering podcast. We've talked from this passage in the Bible about the two broad categories of problem that comes from false teaching that doesn't lead to godliness. Now, when you first read this passage, you might think, well, false teaching means denying the faith. No, that's not what it means here. It means false teaching that doesn't lead to godliness. 
It means even holding on to right things in wrong ways so that it has an outcome that's destructive, not constructive. And these two broad categories are, if your theological knowledge exceeds or eclipses your ministry effectiveness, you have made the wrong application of your learning. And you are not gaining from your education. You are actually abusing the privilege of having it. And then the other problem is when your knowledge, your truth, your insight puffs you up such that you start chasing financial gain. Because after all, somebody owes it to you. You've invested so much of your life in this training. You deserve to be rewarded for what you've learned. You deserve to be treated like the other pastors in the other churches in the other denominations in the other part of town. No. No, just because you went to seminary doesn't mean any of that's true. Just because you gained more knowledge doesn't mean you get any of those privileges. Instead, you have to humble yourself and say, Lord, you called me here and I'll live like the people that I'm trying to reach. I am for seminary education. I am for learning. I'm for gaining more knowledge. I'm for going deep in theology. I'm for learning the breadth of the Bible. And if you don't have the privilege of seminary education, I'm for you getting that knowledge, that information, that training any way you can through your church, by reading projects on your own, by searching online resources, in every way possible, I want you to grow, to grow intellectually and in your capacity for understanding the Bible and theology and truth. But while you're doing that, work to resist these two unintended consequences, that your theological, biblical knowledge and growth would eclipse your ministerial effectiveness and that the puffing up of knowledge would cause you to develop materialism as a habit. These are sobering subjects. Let's pursue learning for the best reasons, the greatest outcomes, and for the best overarching outcome in this passage that I've read today, and that is that it would promote godliness. And if that's happening in your life, then your education is a good thing. If it's not, repent of these unintended consequences, turn around, and get a new perspective on the learning God has enabled you to achieve. Do this well. It'll serve you better in your educational life as you lead on. 